Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. And today what we're going to be discussing is how to help your kids do dangerous things carefully. And this topic came to mind yesterday. We had a couple trees fall in the yard and I was out there with the chainsaw cutting it up. Very manly, I know. And my kids had kind of come out and my son in particular was like, Dad, can I use the chainsaw? And my knee-jerk reaction to that was, yeah, he can do that. As long as I'm there, obviously, to help him do that. Now, our son is seven years old, but I will also tell you, this boy has not a fearful bone in his body. And he came out and he wanted to do it. And so I was in the middle of cutting something and I was explaining to him why the situation was a little bit dangerous what I was doing because some of the branches I was cutting were pinned down and they had a lot of pressure on them from another tree that had fallen on top of it. And so I was explaining, hey, if I stand here and I cut this, that branch will fly out and hit me if I'm standing right there. So if I'm going to cut this, I need to be careful and mindful of what's happening. And so I was able to give him a little bit of a safety lesson when I was cutting things to help him to understand. Now, I wasn't going to have him cut any dangerous branches, but I was going to allow him to use a dangerous tool like a chainsaw. And so we went to some other branches that were not under any tension and I worked with him to help him cut a couple branches. And then his older sister came out and she wanted to do some as well. And she was a little more nervous. And so I took some time with her and we found something easy to do. And you kind of want to make sure you start off at the level that the child's ready for. So we did something easier and then we did a couple times. Then we did something a little more difficult and then she felt more comfortable And at a certain point, I could see she was uncomfortable kind of near the beginning. And I even asked, do you want to keep doing it or do you want to stop? I gave her the option. And she said, I I want to keep doing it. And so even though she was nervous and I acknowledged that nervousness and gave her an out, she had the option to choose to continue. And then when she chose to continue, it kind of decreased her nervousness. Now, a lot of parents out there, when I just said I let my nine-year-old and seven-year-old use a chainsaw, that may have caused your heads to start exploding because that feels so uncomfortable to think about kids using a tool like that. Now, again, my hands were directly on the chainsaw and I was assisting them with cutting it. They weren't just running around, you know, slinging a chainsaw everywhere. But even then, some people may just be very uncomfortable with that idea because of the possibility of them getting hurt or injured. And a part of the idea of helping your kids to do dangerous activities carefully is to help instill in them a sense of confidence and competence so that when it comes up to new activities, they're not so fearful when it comes to trying to do them. Right. I think it's preparing them for the world ahead and the life that's out there where they're going to have to do things that are uncomfortable. And it's really stretching them to be able to learn to do these uncomfortable things and kind of assess risk. Because that's one thing that you did well. You talked about like the risk of it, what would happen in the situation. There are dangers to it, but allowing them to do these things that really help to build life skills for them and not even just life skills, right? And using the chainsaw, but helping them to build this confidence that I can learn to do new things and uncomfortable things. And it helps them to learn so much when they're in that safe environment, when they know that you're right there, but you're allowing them to do it on their own. This whole topic actually reminds me of one of my own experiences where when I was a kid, I wanted to do something that wasn't necessarily dangerous, but I wasn't comfortable with. So I was at a community pool and I was going to jump off the diving board for the first time. It wasn't a big diving board. It was one of those that's kind of just barely above the water. But when I stepped out onto the board, 
I was nervous. And then everybody in the community was trying to be encouraging. They're jump, jump, jump. But what that actually did for me was made me feel pressured and actually more uncomfortable with doing the task. So it actually caused me to turn around and walk off the board after probably like five minutes of standing there, like hemming and hawing about if I was going to jump or not. Now, again, I think when people are doing that, they're trying to be encouraging, they're trying to be helpful. What it's not doing is addressing the root cause of the problem that I was having. The problem wasn't lack of encouragement. The problem was I had an emotion that I had to deal with. And with everybody kind of yelling at me to jump off the board, it wasn't helping me to deal with that emotion. That emotion that I had was fear and worry. And this reminds me of another experience with our oldest daughter. We were at a park and it had this spiderweb rope net and she started climbing up it and she got nervous and uncomfortable. And I think just the day before we had heard somebody talking about this idea of you want to ask your kids to notice how they're feeling and get them to identify what that feeling is. And so she was climbing up and she was a couple feet off the ground and she was probably somewhere in the range of like five or six at the time. I could see in her face she was fearful. And so I said, Hannah, notice what you're feeling. And then she confirmed, I'm feeling nervous. And I said, do you want to go up or do you want to go down? And then she said, I want to go down. So then she went down and then later on we were doing other things. And then she asked me, she said, dad, can I try that again? And I was like, sure, let's go over there. And so we were going over, she climbed up, she was a little higher this time, and she felt nervous again. And I said, Hannah, notice how you're feeling. She said, I'm feeling nervous. I said, do you want to go up or do you want to go down? And then she said, I want to go up. And so she went all the way up, climbed over the edge, and then climbed all the way back down. And then at the end, I said, Hannah, notice how you feel. And she said, I feel good. She was excited. She felt accomplished. And she was able to do this thing that was bringing her fear before. So fear in and of itself is not a bad thing, especially if you can overcome that fear. But you can't overcome that fear with pressure. You overcome that fear with helping the child to recognize what they're feeling. And after a little bit of time, maybe 10 minutes, she recognized, I shouldn't be afraid of that. I want to try it again. I want to conquer this thing all on her own without me trying to even encourage her to do that activity. And I think this is a good time to take a minute and really think about what are the things that you're saying to your child? And even what are things that you heard growing up? A lot of it is, stop, don't do that. Be careful. You're going to get hurt. Get down from there, right? It's all these things limiting and stopping the child from trying these things. And maybe your child isn't ready for it, and it isn't a wise idea. But I think really being able to manage your own anxieties and walk them through that. And I think that example that Tim just gave about noticing how you're feeling, that's a really good way to approach it is to walk them through it and be mindful of what are they feeling? Okay, I'm uncomfortable. And usually at that point, that's when parents are yelling, get down from there. You know, they're at the edge trying to reach for that fire pole that you slide down on. And they're up there debating, should I do that? Or they're about to climb this spider web rope thing, right? And it could have been an easy moment where she already felt fear. And then Tim to go over there and say, Hannah, that's too high for you. Get down. But instead, being able to walk through that fear and really overcome hard things. We tell our kids all the time, we can do hard things. And I briefly mentioned earlier about assessing the risk. And that's important as a parent, right? You want to assess the risk. Is this something physically my child is big enough to reach over and get the fire pole and slide down? Or can they not even physically do that? Then obviously we want to assess that risk as parents and keep our child safe. But if you do assess the risk and you recognize you know what, this is something they could probably do, but they don't know how to do it, or they're fearful of doing it, then being able to walk them through the steps and allowing them to assess the risk, assess their feelings, 
and then walk them through step by step, right? It's like when you're watching your kid on the rock climbing wall for the first time, they're unsure about what to do. So you're teaching them and you're guiding them where you can say things like, try and lift your right foot up and put it on that rock. Or now lift your left hand up and pull yourself up a little. You know, you're walking them through the steps to teach them. You're not just saying, okay, good luck. Because I think risk-taking behavior really is a normal part of your development. And some children, like Tim said, are more fearful than others. But really helping them to engage in those activities can help them develop important skills that they're going to need. It's important for them to problem solve and make decisions and be free and independent. And then to experience that pride and that self-confidence that comes from succeeding in it. And if they fail, then it's learning an important lesson in that and quickly allowing them to get back up and try again. Now, we've been telling a lot of stories about how things have gone well. Now, there are some things, just like Ruth was saying, where there's a risk and something can go wrong. I remember one of our kids, they wanted to get on the monkey bars and they wanted me to pick them up and put them on the monkey bars so that they could climb across. But I wanted them to try to jump and grab the bars on their own. And so they jumped up tried to grab and I was standing right there. And if you've ever seen these videos where they got dad saves, where the kid's almost about to fall and hurt themselves and the dad saves the kid from that situation, that was not me in that moment. I was standing there. I was right there. I totally could have caught them, but I absolutely did not. They jumped up to grab the monkey bars and then their hand slipped off and then boom, they fell right on their back hard. And it was an unpleasant experience. Now there's no injury, no broken bone, nothing like that, but it was painful. And in that instance, in that scenario, Even though it was uncomfortable, they were hurt, and I was embarrassed that they got hurt, like I felt bad that I didn't catch them or help them in that moment, it was still a learning experience that when you're engaging into this activity, something can go wrong, and it helps you to assess the risk. And that even speaks to the idea of how you respond in those situations where they fall or hurt themselves. Also sets the tone for their reaction, right? So if you watch a little kid who is running and they fall, the reaction of the parents makes a difference, right? A lot of times they'll fall and there's a split second where they stop, they look up and they see your reaction. And if you're like, oh my gosh, are you okay? They start crying. But if they fall, a lot of times what we did is we clapped when they fell. And sometimes they did cry, but a lot of times they just pop back up and then keep going. And that's what we wanted for our kids. We wanted them to be able to get up and not feel devastated every time they fell or didn't succeed at something that they tried. And so there have been lots of times where we comfort them and we cuddle them and we make sure that they're okay because they're crying and they've struggled through something. Maybe they got hurt. But more often than not, our kids will just kind of stumble, fall, pop up, say, I'm okay, and go off running. And so I think there is a balance between nurturing them and cuddling them and coddling them when they fall and they get hurt but also other times where you encourage them to get up quickly and recover quickly by the way you respond to them falling. So you do influence your kids greatly with how you respond when they get hurt or when they don't succeed. But also you significantly influence whether your children even attempt to take on difficult tasks. I think, do you want your child to try new things that are a little dangerous while you're present and you can walk them through it? Or do you want them to be afraid to try new things around you? Or do you want them to, on their own, take an uncalculated risk that you haven't really walked them through and they're not prepared for? That brings up another interesting point. One of the biggest killers for children is unintentional injuries. And I think a lot of what that happens from is 
they are unaware of how to handle a situation or about the rules of safety. And if you just help your kids to avoid all dangerous situations when they're in your presence, then it removes the ability for you to teach them a lesson. So a good example of this was at the start of the pandemic, when everything was kind of shut down, we went for family walks and we were going for walks and the older kids would ride their bikes and the younger kids would walk or be in a stroller. And the whole time when we were going for walks, we were going across busy streets or not so busy streets. And we were constantly training our kids. They have to stop. They have to wait for us to cross the street. And then when they cross the street, because they were on their bikes, they'd normally go ahead of us. They had to look both ways. And we were constantly beating this drum of training them on how to be safe around the streets to avoid an unintentional injury or death by a car accident. In order to train them, it's not really enough to just tell them what the rules are. You have to practice those rules. Because if you just tell them, they might hear that information, but if they've never put it into practice, they're not likely to follow through with that. And even after weeks of going out on these walks on a daily basis, we still had to remind them and correct them and help them to follow the rules and the directions. But after a certain point, it was really kind of beaten into their head and they understood these are the rules and they pretty much started following them to a T at a certain point. Even to the degree, it was very interesting how comfortable we got with them getting far ahead of us. They had a rule they can't get out of our sight, but they can go all the way up till the next street crossing. And one time we were walking to the park with our neighbor, the neighbors that we were walking with, they were getting extremely nervous about our kids because they didn't know how well they could follow the rules. And they were just more on the nervous side as opposed to the training side. So during that walk, they were getting nervous. They were trying to tell our kids to stay closer because they didn't want them to get hurt. But we were not nervous at all because we knew that our kids were going to follow the rules that were going to keep them safe. So you don't want to miss an opportunity where you can train them on the rules for how to be safe in potentially dangerous situations because that's actually what will keep them safer, not helping them to avoid danger altogether because then when they're presented with a dangerous situation, they have no frame of reference, they have no rules to follow, and they're more likely to do something that's going to get them hurt. And so we know that the consequences of dangerous activities can be severe and that there's a risk of injury and even death at times. So we're by no means asking you to go out there and just let your kids do these uncalculated risks and let them cross the street if they've never crossed it before. We're saying walk alongside your kids and help them to do risky things and dangerous things safely. We're encouraging you to train them, which means you teach them and then you let them practice and practice and practice, just like he was saying. But I think as parents, we need to be careful not to shame them and to know it takes training. It takes practice. That's what we're doing as parents. We're training them. And so not shame them by saying things like, how many times do I have to tell you, stop at this corner? But in a safe environment, physically as well as emotionally, teaching them, hey, remember to stop at this corner. And a lot of it is preemptively reminding your kids before they get to the danger how to handle it and what they're supposed to do in those situations. The benefits that come from it are so great. Being able to see your child be so proud of their accomplishments, being able to see them grow just a little more, being able to see their actual capabilities increasing, really being able to see them learning how to do things. And it's great to let your kids climb different things, right? Because when you go to the playground, it's a very structured thing. They know the monkey bars are in a straight line or maybe they curve, but they know that structure. But if you encourage your kid to go climb a tree 
or go climb a rock, there's some problem solving that happens along the way because not every tree is the same. They have to figure out where do I put my foot? How do I lift my body in this way? And as they go higher and higher, there's a sense of freedom that comes from it too. And it's so awesome to watch them say, I did it, and be so excited about that and knowing that they're going to try it again and again and get better and better at it. And so just this last story that I want to share. Last year, when my son was taking t-ball and we were at t-ball practice, after practice was done, we'd stay at the field and we'd let the kids play. And there was a playground there and they would play on that sometimes. But this time, my kids wanted to climb the backstop. And actually, it was led by my daughter, who at the time was only two and a half years old. And so instead of saying, no, you can't do it, be careful, I just kind of watched and let her do it. And I didn't interfere with it. And the other kids jumped in and started climbing as well. And she was actually, my two and a half year old, was actually the one that was at the top and climbed the highest. I have a video where she's telling me that she doesn't need help getting down, that she can do it on her own. But at the very end, you can hear her say, I did it, as she jumped off the final step. And I have this great picture of this moment where I can just see my two and a half year old is climbing this big backstop. She's not even potty trained at that point. I can see her diapers and her shirt is on backwards. She can't even dress herself fully, but she's climbing this tall backstop and she's so excited. And that's such a great picture of being able to allow them to do things, to be right there and watch what she's capable of. And so I would really encourage you this week to say yes more to your kids when they ask to do different things or when you see they're doing certain things that maybe instinctually it makes you anxious and you're like, no, don't do that. Stop. I would encourage you this week to take a moment and just see. Walk them through it if you need to. Ask them how they're feeling. Be close by, but then allow them to do dangerous things carefully. And I think you'll be surprised with how much more your children are capable if you allow them to do these things and to practice these things. I think it's such an interesting thing. We have five kids and we've watched the two to three-year-old stage now four times at this point. And it's still, I always get surprised at what our three-year-old is capable of all the time where she does something like, man, I did not think that you could do that. But you have to allow them to show you that they can do these things. And a part of it is to instill what are the rules and boundaries to keep yourself safe, but also it helps build this level of confidence. I can do difficult things. And I think that's something that even older children and young adults are really struggling with nowadays is a fear that they're not capable or competent. And a part of the reason why that happens is they have not been allowed to try enough difficult things. They have not experienced enough failure, but then enough overcoming of that failure to be able to have a certain level of confidence of, I can do these things. So when you're raising kids, you definitely want to make sure that you're protecting them, but you're also letting them build competency. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You can definitely do both things where you're helping them to be careful, but then learning that level of competency that translates into other new activities later on in life. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. 
Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.